Welcome to The People's Show with Big Nazar and Randeep Janda. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The People's Show for the first time in five weeks, six weeks. The big voice guy has been right. It is Bick Nazar and Randy Janda. What's going on? Bick, you're finally back. I- I've been here, here and there. I was here for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Hosted with Sat. A couple of days with Reach as well. You've been gone for three weeks, man. Welcome back. Three weeks straight. It's been enjoyable. But yeah, we are back. Bick Nazar, Randy Janda, and you, of course, the people. Dom Tramatti running the show as well. 650, 650. You can always be part of the show. First text in, Chef Swagger. Holy bleep, Vic is back. Yeah. People can't believe it. <laughs> I can't believe it. It's been a while. It's been a while. It's like stained out here. It's been a while. It's been a while since you've been on the mic. You've been hanging in the city, though. I'm pretty sure I saw you at two sporting events in the last three weeks. So you've been hanging around. Some Canadians games. Audlin Brown. Audlin Brown. There it is. Oh. Dom was just away from the board. That's why he couldn't hit it right away. But he was back. He's got a he's got a lot going on back there. So yeah. where else did I see you? Audlin Brown. Audlin Brown in the C's game. Uh, in the C's game. Yeah. yeah. And then, oh, and then I popped in here really quick. Yeah, you were you were creeping in the uh, hallways here at Sportsnet <laughs> 650 as you often do. Uh no, but it's good to be back. Thrilled. Good summer. I again, I've barely seen you since you went out to Europe. Yeah. Uh, and, and I missed everyone. It's nice to have you back. And um, I got to say, three weeks, not much has happened in Canucks land. No. Just to give you an update. I, I, I timed it perfectly. But football is that much nearer. Mm-hmm. Football is that much nearer. And an update for all of everybody out there. The Vic, fantasy league's a little bit closer. That's right. We have eight spots remaining in this league. Eight. Eight left. And we're giving them away this week from Monday to Thursday. Stay tuned on how we're going to do that. I have no idea what's happening with the league. Don't worry, I got you covered. Okay. I'll fill you in a little bit later. I, I got to catch up on the emails, because you sent me some, and I was like, fantasy football day, and I was like, Randy, August 29th is our reply to these emails. We are at the bribe stage. Let's go. The bribe stage. And okay. we gave away one last week. Jeffro came in with a $500 donation to Canuck Place. Whoa. To get into the league. Shouts to Jeffro. Yeah, we're gonna that's have, massive. We're going to have more details on what the league you know, looks like, potential prizes down the line. All of that's coming later on. But the bribe stage is open, so make sure you text in at some point today, mm-hmm. 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line, to let us know. If you got an idea how to get into the league. How are you going to bribe us? Maybe it's a good deed. Maybe it's a flat-out bribe. Hit us up in the text inbox. Uh, that's awesome. Big shout-out to uh, Jeffro. Hey, man, that's how you uh, get your way into the league. And we will be giving away one more today via bribes. If okay. not two, with the inclusion of Turf Trivia. All right. So that's all coming up later on the show. Uh, Chris Faber will join us as well. Gary Gramling, uh, Don Taylor as well at 2.30, and Ian Furness uh, wrapping up the show later today at 3.30. Again, if you want to chime in with anything, 6.50, 6.50, Canucks stuff, sports stuff, just what's on your mind? LeBron stuff. If you saw LeBron around town, is he still in town? Do we know if he's still in town or, or is he already jet set after the Kendrick concert? Well, he said thank you to Vancouver for the hospitality. Right. In a tweet about, I'm saying about three hours ago, I think. It was At around King nine. James. And he, he shouted out Kendrick Lamar for the concert mm-hmm. last night. But we don't know if he's officially left. Pretty cool, I got to say. I, I feel like there, there's certain 
people. We'll say athletes because we're sports station. Yeah. There's certain athletes that have that tornado effect where if they show up at a venue, heads just start turning. Yeah. And, and you, look, he was at a restaurant and forks come off the table. People are like, what, what's going on here? People are like all freaking out. And, and, the man shook up ho- the Hotel Georgia. Yeah. I believe it was Reflections. I was, And the video that's now gone viral is, is from there. Pretty cool event that uh, LeBron James in town. And I, I'm trying to think of like on my hand how many athletes are going to be able to do that. I think it's a really short list. Well, okay. Back in the day, it used to happen pre-social media with like Jordan, Shaq, and and mm-hmm. you know, they would make their trips to Vancouver outside of the season. But yeah, who actually did it in a pre or in a, in a social media age? There was a moment though. I'm not gonna lie. I, I love that LeBron came to Vancouver, and I hope I'm gonna tease my don't at me. I hope this turns into something else. But <laughs> there was a moment where yesterday on social media and the day before, for that matter, it was kind of like Vancouver Shit's Creek moment. We're like, oh my god, he passed through town! It's cool, man. He stayed at the motel! No, I think it's cool. World-class city. Of course people should be coming here. By the way, it was not a motel, was it? Yes, it was. I think the Rosebud Motel. Where he stayed? No, 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 not him. That oh, was the, referencing the show. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. No, I thought you were talking about No, no, he wasn't. LeBron. Staying was at like, the local Super 8. He's got to go to Motel 6 or Travel Lodge or something. Great, great destinations. Don't get me wrong, but... Uh, can't imagine LeBron setting up shop there. No. Uh, if they are interested in sponsoring our travels throughout the season, please. Love it. Or, or even just a night out of the town. That too. But yeah, I, I, I think it's cool. I, I don't know if like decades from now we'll be like, hey, remember that August weekend LeBron was in town? But I, I think it's a cool thing. Okay, remember that one time though Jordan kind of had dinner. I forgot where it was. There's a story that Global News did it uh, way back when where mm-hmm. even to this day people tell stories about that. There might be, there's video of this guy losing it at the Kendrick Lamar. Like, there's great vi- I think this is going to be a story 30 years down the road. He's, he's having fun in Vancouver. That's cool. Uh, well, we'll get to more LeBron stuff uh, throughout the course of the show. I, I have a feeling we got uh, a wrong answers only for mm-hmm. LeBron James. Just a feeling. Uh, but let's talk about uh, things that are happening here locally. So I was away for three weeks. The real, like, it feels like we're now at the end of the NHL offseason, right? Nazem Kadri signs, that's the last big one. And you can kind of make the book now of what the NHL offseason looked like. Some trades will still filter as we get closer to camp and whatnot. But generally speaking, now that we're through kind of 95% of it, 98% of it, and you look back, how many offseasons are you jealous of? Like, what teams had the offseasons that you wish you could copy? Whether it's for the Vancouver Canucks, or whether it's just for, in general, the off-season ranks here. Okay, the team that I kind of focus on, and, and this is not in relation to the Canucks, this is just the way that mm-hmm. I like to see rebuilds happen. With supreme discipline, absolutely there's going to be luck required, but is there a process, and do you stick to that process? The Detroit Red Wings, to me right now, are the team that is sticking to that process. There's supreme discipline coming from Steve Eiserman. Remember, this is a team that basically tore it down. They didn't have much of anything on that roster. Mm-hmm. But now, with this offseason, first, going back a couple of years, reloading in the draft. And there's some misses there. But they got a stud defenseman insider. They got, you know, Edmondson coming up. They got a few other younger players that you'd be jealous of to have in your lineup. Now they're starting to add NHL players back. Cop, Perron, complimentary players. This is a build now, the offseason. They may not be a playoff team, but you can see that steady climb. 
where certain teams in that division will eventually fall off. But as their young guns start to mature, as they get those complementary players, like an Andrew Kopp, he can be your second-line center right now. Mm -hmm. But once you start reloading, because they're going to have a lot of cap room, he can be moved around. He's versatile. He can play your third-line center role. He can be your winger. I really like what Steve Eiserman's done in Dallas. So the team that I am intrigued by at this point in time, and I say, if you want to do a rebuild, if you want to copy something, Detroit is on the right track because the next moves that they make next offseason, they're going to be big ones. Maybe in free agency, mm -hmm. depending on who's available. Maybe a guy that Eiserman used to play for in Tampa Bay. Like, this is a team that will be in a position to strike for some big names. Now, the number that you mentioned for next year's cap space, somewhere in the range of $40 million for them. But that look, they haven't signed Dylan Larkin yet. Yep. That's going to be part of the equation. Local boy. Yeah. Right? Tyler so, Bertuzzi's a UFA. We'll see if they explore that or if they try to do the, hey, keep replenishing assets for someone that's uh, at an age at 28-ish. Uh, they got some other guys that they do have to lock up. Obviously, at some point, uh, Moritz Sider has to get his contract. I think he's got two years left. Um, so he'll he'll still be a bit removed uh, from yep. having to get his big money. He's so, on 863 for the yeah. next two years. So that that big cap space you're talking about, some of it will get eat, eaten up internally. Uh, but yeah, you're right. It's it's just that constant waiting to pounce moment, right? They've had to go through a lot of struggles to get yep. to even this stage where it looks like you're turning the corner. And when you're talking about, you know, giving up those deals and, and giving up that money, yes, you're going to, to some of those players, Larkin, they need there. Mm -hmm. As of right now, he's their 1C. And you want to be, you know, if you're competing for a cup, he's going to be in your, your top six down the road. Now, on the wings, you've got some young players coming up. They drafted a guy who could play down the middle as well, Marco Casper. Mm -hmm. They got Simon Edmund Edmondson. So some of those other players that might be vets that you're saying, okay, is this person worth it? Do you want to extend them? They got some flexibility. So that's why I look at the Detroit Red Wings and saying, all right, they're doing it right. Drafting has an uh, you know a big impact on that. How do they move forward? They got to make sure they make the right signings and trades. But I like the way it's going thus far, especially this offseason. And the other team I kind of wanted to bring up, um, because it's not like swing for the fences types teams, right? I think when you're looking at exciting off seasons, you know, Ottawa probably had the most exciting off season, right? You bring in DeBrincat, you bring in Claude Giroux, uh, you get rid of a couple of players at some cost, but they, they had an exciting off season. Mm -hmm. But, but another team that like had an exciting off season would be like just down the road, Seattle Kraken. But part of that is, Hey, you had some lottery luck, um, or you had the, some draft luck and Shane Wright falls to you. So that kind of is, is kind of exciting. Bjorkstrand was big. Bjorkstrand's a nice a, a nice acquisition, um, but I still probably shade towards Ottawa just because of like how much that all means. But a, another team here in, in in the division would be Calgary. Like that to to go from the toughest place to a positive result, they probably had the most difficult offseason imaginable, and there are questions to say where is this heading. How long will this last? All that. But I think what they've done is remove the volatility for this season. And they said, hey, we're just going to push this down the road. This should explode on us, but it's not exploding on us now. And we've taken the sting out of a very treacherous offseason. And now we look ahead to 2024, 2025. And we can remain competitive right now and be just as strong as we were last year. Look, we still have Daryl Sutter as a coach. We are in this to win right now. And I think that's an offseason you look at and say, 
man, it is amazing what they've done with the pieces. Like with with the hand that they were dealt, it's really incredible that they can come out of this and look the way they are right now. Yeah, they're challenging the idea that, you know, when you're left at the altar, that you go into your room and you never come out for like two months. Uh, they were back on the dating scene right away there, Bic. Like they were, they were hitting the bars, man. And I think there is an idea where generally when we think, and we were a part of this conversation as well. We were a part of the conversation saying, Brad Living, you probably don't have a job. They're going to mm-hmm. go through a rebuild. But you know what's the biggest X factor in those co- types of conversations? How ownership feels. Yeah. Ownership clearly in Calgary does not want to rebuild. They're saying we want a cup in the next two to three years. And we understand that this could come with some really terrible con- consequences when it comes to the, the cap. But that's all right. As long as we get a chance to win the cup. So for all those thoughts of, hey, they're going to reload. They're going to take five years to re- rebuild this thing. The single most important factor in any franchise building is how does the owner feel? And how many teams would actually... What do the powers that be want us to do? For real. And like, you know, a lot of this thought, and it's going to hit home in Vancouver, is because, hey, does does Vancouver and this organization believe in a rebuild? That's a very important part of this. And Calgary shows us that when that group looked at it and said, yeah, the rebuild was staring them in the face. They said, no, we're not. Let's reload. Let's spend the money. We'll pay over market value in the case of Jonathan Huberdeau. And that's okay because we're in it for right now. 650, 650, if you want to chime in, uh, which offseason are you jealous of across the NHL? And again, just to relate this to the Vancouver Canucks then, if we're choosing the two that we talked about, yours was, okay, there was some spending this offseason, but it's still plotting for what's next. Isn't that kind of what Vancouver did? They spent on Mikheyev, and people wanted a lot of change. And it didn't happen, and we've talked about it, hey, C-minus grades, B grades, whatever. There weren't a lot of mistakes. I would say there was no mistakes. There was low leverage bets, Curtis Lazar, Joshua, all that sort of stuff. The only real bet that they made was Ilya Mikheyev, and that's a middle-of-the-road kind of bet. But there weren't any changes. I kind of look at that and say, hey, this is the patient approach. Keep keep delaying the decision. Don't force yourself into any bad move. And just, just wait this out for as long as you can. As much as people want change and they want the, the energetic move. On the flip side, for what I was talking about, hey, the offseason of, hey, that's really impressive. Aggression. Super aggression. Yeah. Now, part of it was your hand is forced and you have to try to do what you can. But... The Canucks kind of did the Detroit version. They couldn't do the, the the Calgary version. And think of like the comparable of what that looks like. Man, there's some options for the Canucks to explore the kind of Calgary offseason. If you wanted to go down it. If you want to talk about getting a bad hand. A bad hand would be some key players on some expiring contracts. Mm. The Canucks are essentially where Calgary was a year ago. Yeah. And that's why we relate it back to the Johnny Gaudreau, JT Miller conversation, mm-hmm. right? Where, hey, do the Canucks learn something from the Johnny Gaudreau situation? So there's one parallel there. The other name, I think everything's in a, a positive mindset at this point when it comes to the captain, but Bo Horvat's a part of that conversation. Until there's a deal, Bick, he's still a part of that conversation as well. So I think the most people, and correct me if I'm wrong, 650-650, I think most people are okay, and I, I'm okay with the patient approach. When... Rutherford took over that job when Alvin took over that job. Well, patient until we know what the, the, the full picture looks like. Exactly. And what, what is that big move? 
it, it always circles back to the JT Miller conversation because you're essentially saying, all right, who is the most obvious person to be either dealt or walk away for free? Mm-hmm. For Bo Horvat, we can come with the theories, but the fact is, if he, there's one of those two guys that is more likely to sign, it's probably him. So until that move happens, we're going to say the patient approach, but I don't mind that. You want to get the, the best deal possible, but here's the issue I have. Trade deadline is tricky to me. Trade deadline is tricky to me. Uh, you know, it's so patience to a point. Mm-hmm. And this is where I think the Detroit Red Wings have that full-on runway. They've got the long runway where they can they can map this out. Well, because they've built from the bottom going sure. up, right? The Canucks were stuck in this middle of the road kind of thing. And you have to figure it out as you go along. And you don't have that runway because you've mm-hmm. got that expiring deal. They're in a situation with Dylan Larkin that is very similar to Bo Horvat, but they don't have the JT Miller question. Mm-hmm. They don't. And that's a huge question. 650-650, if you want to chime in, uh, Peter and Clover- Cloverdale. No one has cap space to lure in free agencies. Well, Bill Daly did talk about that uh, last week on the 32 Thoughts podcast with Jeff and Elliot, uh, potentially going up a year earlier. We've been kind of projecting that 2025 season of getting away uh, from the $1 million increments uh, in the offseason. And maybe some revenue uh, projections look a bit rosier for the NHL, but you have to keep progressing. And look, you can be hopeful, but you have to see those revenues come in. Uh, and, and maybe you get it a year earlier. So that's something you can talk about uh, moving forward. Marcus and Gibson says, I'm jealous of Detroit. They added and have uh, a million pending UFAs uh, coming up soon. So the cap flexibility is going to be insane in knowing Eisman, he'll turn that into top pieces. So uh, much in the line of your thinking as well. You mentioned JT Miller again. I, I spent three weeks away, so I had to get a, off a bunch of JT Miller conversations. Yeah. So, so let's dive right back into it. Because uh, there were some some chatter, maybe some Metro teams still being in the mix. That's right. So uh, Rob Simpson tweeting, uh, or sorry, writing this past weekend just about how a couple of teams in the Metro still may be in the mix. The two that he highlighted, Carolina Hurricanes, mm-hmm. who have been in the news. They lost Pacioretty for a while. They signed Stastny. So they get some depth at the center position. But that's another team that doesn't have, you know, s- their goal is not simply to make the playoffs and compete. They're at that point where they need to get results. Yeah. They're not Pete Carroll. They want to do more than compete. Wait, what is that? Okay. More than just compete. So the Hurricanes is one of the names. The other one, New Jersey Devils, Mm -hmm. the team that we've talked a lot about as a team that wants to take that next step. Now, New York Islanders kind of in that mix as well, potentially, according to a reporter out there with, uh, uh, you know, reporting out of Long Island. So there's another aspect there that maybe that ship has not sailed, but two teams that have been linked and have been connected to the JT Miller situation still, based on conversations that Rob has had, uh, Hurricanes and the Devils. What do we make of that? Because I'm not going to lie, Vic. After the Islanders situation, after what happened at the draft, my mind has shifted to the trade deadline. I I don't think that's the smartest of moves, Mm -hmm. but I think most people have said, if there's going to be a trade, if there's no new contract, then you play the Giroux game and, and you try to maximize what you can get for a player. It's a tricky game. It's a risky game. Well, the, the Giroux thing results also With help Philly being junk. Yeah, yeah, like results facilitate that mindset. I I still push the, the, the barrier of decision-making much higher to training camp, right? For me, it's just get to a spot where the Canucks can realistically say, this is our best offer. It might still be similar to what you've offered before, but if you don't want to negotiate going into the season, that's something you don't want to do. 
or if you force our hand and say, hey, look, I really do want out. And and neither of those things has happened, to my knowledge, of, well, because we're not, we're not at training camp yep. right now. Unless something gets forced, I th- I do think training camp is the most likely scenario. We finally get some resolution. And to your point, hey, trade deadline, it could be that, that scenario. But I think we get the maximum clarity come training camp. Totally. And, uh, you know, based on, and that's the real pressure point here, because we know what agents and the players will say. Usually they say, hey, we don't want to get this done during the season. So that is that pressure point. But if there's a trade, not extension, if there is a trade, it feels like all signs are kind of pointing pointing towards the the Mm -hmm. trade deadline. Sure. But this does, you know, add a little bit where you're saying, okay, New Jersey, they got first round picks. They got a couple of young players. I don't know if they want to move Holtz, but Rob did mention Chase Stillman in in that group. Carolina first round picks. They got some younger players. Nate has to sign, but he's not on firm footing there. Yeah. Jarvis is there. I'm sure they want to hang on to him. But there's there's a bunch of options there. But I still look towards the trade deadline because that makes the most sense in terms of where they're at right now. I, it feels like the Canucks are not afraid to start the season with JT Miller in their lineup. No. They, he's their best player yeah, right now. I feel like they've been very vocal. Yeah. About that for as sure. Well. And I don't want to say confident uh, to pull off a trade, but just confident about the idea that, like, hey, we can live in this reality where it might be a bit chaotic. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but they, they seem okay with living in that reality. And I, I just think they're going to explore every or exhaust every option of trying to get JT Miller signed before they go down the road of what you're talking about. And then maybe it extends towards the trade deadline. And then uh, you, you start looking what the timeline is. Uh, we do have a Canucks update at, in Burnaby right now. Eight ranks, Scotia Barn. Thatcher Demko, Colin Delia, Spencer Martin, Archer Silovs, Kyle Burrows, Brady Keeper, Vasily Podkolzin, Ilya Mikheyev, Andre Kuzmenko, and as per the reporting of one David Quadrelli, Alex Chason, all skating in Burnaby. So there you go. They're hitting the ice already, August 29th. Put in that work, man. Put in that work. Uh, Bick Nazar, Randeep Janda. We'll talk to Chris Faber on the other side. He can always chime in as well. The people on the People Show into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. The smart alternative is at Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Vic and Randy back in a minute here on the home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650. Back to the show, Bick Nazar, Randy Janda here on the People Show. Back at it with you as well, 650-650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Let's talk to our guy, Chris Faber, who joins us now from Canucks Army. Faber, what's going on? Doing good. Dom's got to keep that music going. That's some new People Show music there. It's all new. I, I don't even know what's going on anymore. I was away for three <laughs> weeks and it's just it's an entirely new show. Yeah, it's good stuff, dude. How was the time off, Vic? What was your favorite thing of the three weeks? Oh, man. Seeing me in a couple of different events. <laughs> it, it, it might be. It might be, to be honest. That's a sad vacation you had, then. <laughs> I don't know. Just uh, <laughs> enjoying the city, man. It was a, a staycation and, and checking out different pockets of the, the area that I don't uh, always venture out to. So it was it was an eventful three weeks. 
That's good, man. You didn't like leave Vancouver once. Like, did you leave for you know Kelowna trip? Not nothing? even once. Why? Why would I want to wow. leave a, a great location like the Lower Mainland? Favor, man. LeBron James is coming here. Why would yeah. Bick leave? <laughs> yeah, I'm he, sure he was here to see Bick. Yeah, hundred percent, man. You think he was just here to see Kendrick? No, man. It's <laughs> Ken Bick is more like it. Man, that was so. I live right beside Rogers Arena. That was one of the loudest concerts we've heard. Like, uh, just just from like the bass, I guess, hitting against the windows of my apartment. Like that one was was really loud. That and uh, the Backstreet Boys last week. Like I could nice. hear the uh, yeah. the start of "I Want It That Way." So I like went and woke up my fiance. I was like, "Get out here on the balcony!" Like we can hear "I Want It That Way" uh, from the Backstreet Boys. So that was pretty. Funny. I can see it now. Favor in his window, overlooking Rogers Arena, just singing "I Want It That Way." So, side well, to she, side. she's like, uh, she's taking Snapchats and Instagram stories to send to a friend, and I'm in the background, like, singing a little bit. <laughs> of course. So that's the move, right? Like, I, just out on the balcony for these concerts? Did, did you hear it better out of BC Place or Rogers Arena? I think Rogers Arena, like, my, my balcony's right overhanging Rogers right. Arena. So I, I, I heard The weekend like, pretty well, but I couldn't, like, make out the words. But literally, like, every song, uh, you can just hear it, like, pretty much very clear from, from where I'm staying. Chris Faber not only uh, covers the Canucks, he also creeps on Rogers Arena from his balcony, which is great, man. That, that's what you call an insider. Yeah, the best part is, like, for my fiance, like, she she likes hockey, right? She likes the Canucks, but isn't, like, super invested. Like, she'll watch the game, but she'll have her phone on and, I don't know, TikTok or whatever she's doing. So you hear the goal horn, and then because of, like, the seven-second TV delay. So she's like, oh, I should look up now. The Canucks are about to Amazing. score. And she looks up at the screen and sees it. I didn't realize it gets that loud for, for Rogers Arena, like, outside yeah, the arena. Well, the horn's the loudest one. Like yeah, that, that is uh, like the, the horn. I can understand, but like consistently concerts, uh, you know, like yeah. BC plays. You know, the roof opens and all that sort of stuff. I can see that, but uh, all right, pretty cool. All pretty right, cool. before we talk some hockey, I want to get your thoughts on this. Your first White Caps game ever. A am I correct here on the weekend? Ever? Yeah, that sucked. That was so bad. <laughs> that was like I was like I. So I've been to like one other soccer game. I went to uh, the women's soccer game when Canada hosted Mexico yep. like four or five years ago, maybe. Uh, and that was awesome. I had a blast at that. But this Whitecaps game on the weekend sucked. Like, they were down 3 nothing. Uh, Nashville. It's 3-0. 3-0, like, nil, nil, Faber. Okay, whatever. I had that in the tweet, so don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, like, the Nashville players are just flopping all over the ice. Like, some guy used a, you know, he used, like, the head as, like, a jump-off point at one point. Uh, Cavallini, I think it was. Like, that was a wild moment. Uh, but, yeah, I think it was, yeah, it wasn't uh, the greatest first uh, experience with the Caps there. But, but the crowd support, like, w will that draw you back in? Yeah, I, I loved like when the other teams getting announced and the the Southsiders are just screaming "Wanker" every time the players coming up. Tom, <laughs> can you please clip that? On radio. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Uh, talking to Chris Paper <laughs> from Canucks Army. Uh, all right, uh, the the off season's been going. Um, you know, it, it's a dry time, but nevertheless, uh, some prospects are still putting in some work. Uh, what's caught your eye recently here with Elias Patterson and Lucas Forsell? Yeah, yeah, things are heating up now. Every Tuesday we're dropping, like, uh, the, we're bringing back the Blackfish Report, which is obviously well-known from Ryan Beach back in the mm -hmm. day, Canucks Army. So we're doing that every Tuesday. Uh, and actually, a lot of stuff this week, man. We can, uh, where do you want to go? Finland? You want to go Russia? You want to go Sweden? I'll, I'll start. I got news from all of them. Uh, let's start with Elias Pettersson. Okay, yeah, he was excellent. Uh, him and Lucas Forcell played at the Four Nations mm -hmm. tournament where, where Sweden ends up taking the gold medal. And uh, Pedersen had a actually like a two-goal game, and I think that's pretty damn impressive for a guy who 
a lot of people look at as kind of more of a defensive defenseman, but you could just kind of see throughout that game when when he's playing with a little bit of confidence, like he, he's willing to to go down low, get into the slot, look for these like offensive opportunities. And, and this is the best game I've ever seen him play was uh, – I know it's like an 11-1 win against Slovakia, so that wasn't uh, wasn't like it was a, a huge, like tight, close game. But to see Pedersen like have that confidence and be able to kind of move in the offensive zone, it's it's a spot where he can use one of his strengths, and that's obviously his skating. Like that's something that we really like about his game. And to see him get rewarded with two goals is great. I, I chatted with Lucas Forcell a little bit after, and he was saying, you know, he felt kind of bad because like when when Sweden scores 11 goals and Forcell's not one of them, he said he really wanted one in that game. Uh, and then they ended up playing against Finland in the final of that tournament, and they ended up winning that game three to two. Uh, and overall, just really good performance. And this was this is kind of like a, a U twenty team that I would say is preparing for this upcoming World Juniors in December. Like none of the guys from the most recent one that we had in the summer here were at this tournament, but it was kind of the next tier of players. And because a lot of people will be graduating off of that team that we just saw in August here at this most recent tournament, uh, it, it's it's a great showing for Pedersen to play. Uh, second pairing minutes for them be a guy who's on the penalty kill and then score those two goals in that game like that's that's a big step in the right direction for a guy who can still play in this world juniors for two more years uh and to to maybe see him as an 18 year old this fall would be or this winter i guess would be awesome uh so so really good progress for both lucas forcell and elias patterson uh for them getting onto this upcoming world junior team well, Pedersen has taken earlier in the draft, obviously, Porcel, a uh, seventh-round pick from last year. Uh, when you look at him, you know, he's you know 18 years old now, just playing in, in the second division last year in Sweden. Like, what do you want to see from him? Bit of a wild-card pick, obviously, seventh round. But, uh, you know, what's the measure of success this year in, in Sweden for him? Yeah, I mean, Forcell was excellent last year in the when he was playing J20 games. Uh, he was also in the SHL for, I think, something like 26 games he played yep. in last year. Uh, and this year he should be, like, when we spoke to him at development camp, his goal was to be a top-nine player in the SHL. And a big reason that young players don't get that opportunity is because of how they play defensively. Uh, so that's a big focus of his. This is a very similar situation. Uh, I mean, a little bit, obviously, a lower-quality prospect from Niels Huglander, but Huglander's big thing was always to work on, like, one big thing uh, throughout the season. And that was, like, defense one year, then scoring, and then just being able to be a 5-on-5 contributor in his three years in the SHL. Forcell's kind of in that spot where he, he had a really good start to last year in the SHL when he was playing. I know he had three consecutive games with a goal uh, in the SHL. That was very impressive for a kid who started the season as a 17-year-old even. Uh, and so he's going to be starting this season as an 18-year-old. He wants to be in the top nine. He's already getting power play time uh, on their on their SHL preseason game. So that's massive. Um, and he's a guy that you know benefited a lot from being around a team that ended up going off to win the SHL championship in the playoffs last year. He was unfortunately injured with a wrist injury, but he said that he was able to be in the locker room for every game and kind of see how these guys prepared and how these veterans in the SHL were able to get you know through a whole playoff series and end up winning the whole thing. I know he got to celebrate with the team as well. That's always good. Uh, so he's in a winning environment right now, and if he's able to be a player who's contributing... Uh, in a top nine role as an 18 year old in the SHL, you're you're really looking at the stock of a seventh round pick going up over the past uh, what feels like I guess 18 months now since the Canucks have kind of had him. Yeah, you, you mentioned just the seventh round pick, and look, the the journeys for seventh round picks can be long and arduous. Like, wh what should be reasonable expectations of what to hope for for this coming season for a guy like him? Yeah, you, you want to see a lot of minutes in the SHL. You want to see him continue to get power play time. If he's doing that as an 18 year old, that's great news. He's got. Uh, a two-year extension that he signed last year that kicks in this season. So he's got at least two more years in the SHL. It was good to see him at development camp. I mean, Lucas Forcell is a kid that 
has great skating, has a good shot, good hands. There's a lot to like about what the skill that he possesses. But what I really like about him is just like his tenacity on the four checks. I mean, there was multiple times in the Finland-Sweden final game of the four, four Nations tournament where he was, you know, getting into it with guys after the whistle. And this isn't a big guy. This is a, a player who just plays the game really hard and happens to have all these skills that kind of add to that. So uh, you want to see him just have two years in the SHL here where he can probably just build up his confidence, right? Like if he is moving into a top nine role to start the season, that's huge for him. It's huge for his confidence. Uh, and then if you kind of get to that point where we're talking about him being a potential top line player, maybe, you know, the season after this one, that would be huge. And that's kind of the step where North America starts to really come into the conversation. Mm -hmm. I mean, with these players at this age, you, you need to see them play top six minutes in the SHL before we even start to talk about North America. And, and I think that's the situation where he's kind of on the path right now where he's already on the power play. That's something you like to see. But with his tenacity and his willingness to just go into the boards hard, like he, he needs to put on some weight for sure. But I'd love to see him start killing penalties and do like some more around his game that uh, can kind of prepare him for when he does make the trip over here. Staying with that 2021 draft, uh, Jonathan Myrenberg, uh, the right shot defenseman. This is, uh, you know, somebody that clearly the Canucks... You know, took in the fifth round, but with the lack of depth on that right-hand side, um, it's tough to say, you know, uh, what a, a draft pick in that area will do. But what do you see when you watch him play as, as he matures here? Yeah, I think just being a right-shot defenseman and being, in my eyes, the best right-shot defense prospect that the Canucks have, like, all my spotlights are on him this season to see what he can do. It's it's It was interesting to hear from a lot of people that were able to just pay a lot more attention than I was last year in the SHL and just say, like, you know, this guy was playing good when he was getting his minutes. He just wasn't in a spot where an SHL team really could use him that much. Like he was kind of a seventh defenseman for some games. I know he had a handful of games where he's in the high teens for minutes, but uh, minutes were just going to be hard to come by for him this year as a 19 year old. So getting that loan to the Elspenskin has been excellent so far. Uh, played a ton of minutes in the preseason so far. He's actually moved up to the first pairing uh, with Mora in his last game. So that's a really just, I mean, he's shooting up their charts right now, the depth charts so far. And this is a team that he's loaned to. He should get a ton of minutes there. I've seen him on the power play. I've seen him on the penalty kill. Uh, it, it's a really good spot for him in a similar role to like Jonathan LeCaramacchi where they're going to have these massive roles in the Al Svenskin compared to the SHL because you're just simply going to get a lot more minutes in the second division of Sweden. And it's still really good hockey. Like, you know, I've, I've talked to a lot of people in Sweden. They say like the top six teams in the Al Svenskin could easily compete against SHL teams. And we're even seeing that in preseason. Like Myrenberg's playing these games as a first pairing defenseman. He's playing against SHL teams, right? So like getting a real good test against him. Uh, and so far, he's looked really good so far. I mean, he's a big body at six foot two. He's added a ton of muscle since he was drafted. I know talking to him at development camp, he said close to 15 pounds uh, he's added since he was there. He said he showed up, and in his words, he said he was so skinny uh, showing up there that it was great to actually work with a conditioning coach, work with a strength coach, work with you know nutrition to actually start to become a pro because I think it, they have good setups in Sweden, obviously, with the J20 programs, but once you're on the SHL team, it's... Like, it's full on. They they know that you're not just, you know, and I hate to say it, but you're not just like another really good 17, 18-year-old player. Now you're like a guy who's like legitimately going to play for the SHL team. And in his case, he legitimately was already there. So they want to really start to commit to these guys. So he's got a great program set up over there. And I think even having the loan to the Elspenskin uh, is just going to be another huge boost for his development because I expect him to be playing you know, pretty good minutes in the SHL as soon as the, the season after this coming one. Talking to Chris Faber from Canucks Army here on the People Show, Bick Nazar and Randy Janda. Uh, you know, we, we love talking about the future here, and, and Vancouver's been such a topic, obviously, because there hasn't been a lot of, you know, 
immediate playoff success that people can celebrate what's happening in the here and now. So you constantly project what's happening in the future. And today, uh, Corey Pronman drops his uh, annual U23 best players and prospects list. And there's only four Canucks on that list. And we'll get into the, the guys that are on the list. But if you were to redo the list a year from now, Chris, how many players do you think the Canucks could have on this? Because Quinn Hughes is going to graduate from this list, and that leaves, you know, LeCaramacki, Pudkoles, and Hoaglander as the three guys who made that list. If you keep trying to populate Canucks on this list, how many more can enter into the fold of, uh, I think he listed 170-some-odd players here? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, you'd probably hope that the whoever they draft in the first round next year is in that boat as well. Uh, you're expecting to see LeCaramacki there. You'd expect to see Pudkoles yeah. in there. You'd expect to see Hoaglander, hopefully, on that list, depending how this next season goes here. Yeah. But um, I don't think there's really another prospect that's kind of sticking out that's going to hop up into that list, to be 100% honest. I mean, if maybe, like, if Danila Klimovic absolutely pops off in the AHL this year and is able to just find a massive scoring touch, like, you might be able to sneak him in late in that list. But, um, to, like, maybe, like, I, I think maybe Klimovic and Elias Pettersson kind of have the same shot at that. But it, it would also just take massive years from both those two players. Like, maybe, you know, Pettersson is going to be playing in the SHL this year for Orobro. Um, and if he's able to to really be a top four guy and be really starting to put up some points and a lot of his game starts to shine, maybe. But I, I don't think you're for sure going to be really adding anyone to that list. You're more going to kind of be taking away, as you mentioned, as these players kind of age out from that U23 list. Well, talking about, you know, uh, a player that is sub-23, but it doesn't really belong in this list at this point in time. But there's been some buzz and then there's been some kind of, you know, uh, tempering of expectations with Linus Carlson at the same time. Obviously, a player that's under 23, 46 points, almost a point-per-game player in the SHL last year, rookie of the year, all of that. Now, what does that mean for his AHL or NHL road? Like, what can we take from last year to say, okay, what what does a great leap mean for him at the, the North American level? I think five on five is where you really want to watch him. Like, I, I don't have any doubts that he's going to be effective in an AHL power play. I think his shot is good enough. His playmaking is good enough. You're going to see a lot from him on the power play. Uh, I'm still, you know, I'm tempering expectations because a lot of his points in the SHL came on the power play with the man advantage. But for, for him, I think it's going to be really interesting to just watch him play out, play in North America, be able to just see the pace of the play over here because it's not like... Uh, not like a lot of his goals really came at even strength. Like like I said, he was he was putting up so many goals on the power play that I, I know he's going to be effective there. I think that's not something to worry about, but he's 22 years old now. This is kind of the product that you're getting as he's kind of growing into that man body now. Um, and you want to talk about him as a prospect still because he's making that jump to North America. And you mentioned 22 years old, still pretty dang young for a guy that uh, you didn't really have to give up a ton of assets to acquire. So you just kind of need to see him play in the HL. I expect him to be given a lot of opportunities to have success. Like he should be a guy who's playing, you know, near the top of the minutes for all the forwards that we see out there. He's a guy, like I said, should be on the power play. I know that talking to us at development camp, he said he really enjoyed being on the penalty kill last year uh, and being given that opportunity in the SHL. And I think that something that should be looked at as well about his season, you mentioned it. he was rookie of the year. Um, at 22 years old, I don't know how much that really means, but to me, I'm looking at it as he jumped into a new league, a league that he's never played in before, and he was effective, right? And that's tough, making that jump from the Elsvenskin to the SHL because you're playing such better competition every night. And I do think that it is difficult to just adjust to any new league that a player moves into. I expect to see a little bit of the same thing when he goes to the AHL because it's a very different brand of hockey. Like, you guys know this, I watch every AHL game, but I also watch a ton of SHL games. And, like, there is a very different way that hockey is played in those two leagues. And I know people say the ice size makes a difference. I don't think that's a big thing. It's more just about 
um, how crisp and clean breakouts look in the SHL compared to some of the clunkiness that you kind of have to deal with in the AHL with, with flubbed passes happening so often or how much time the puck is spent just battling in the corners. Like there's just a different kind of vibe to an AHL game to an SHL game. So that's going to be an adjustment for him. But I think the power play is where everybody's going to really like Linus Carlson. You're going to love to see him in the AHL doing that role. Uh, if he's playing with a guy, like they should have a really strong power play. Like depending on what happens with Jack Rathbone here, if he ends up in the AHL to even start the season, like you're looking at a ridiculous AHL power play unit with him and Sheldon Drys, now Linus Carlson, and you know potentially seeing like another name like Archie Baines getting some time there, Niels Almon. Like they have so many bodies that that should be really exciting out there in the AHL. That surrounding him on the power play, I like I have no doubt that he's going to have success there. To me, I, I didn't, I wasn't kind of not even like blown away or, or honestly like really impressed with his foot speed compared to the other players at development camp. I thought a lot of guys moved a lot better than him, but I was more impressed with his hands. So he's going to be a player who is going to have to rely on a couple of his strengths and one of those being his hands and then his shot as well. So the question is, uh, is his skating going to limit him? Uh, and I think the AHL is going to be a good test for that because it's a much slower league than the NHL. So if he's able to have success at the AHL, then he's just going to kind of continue to prove himself like last you know, two years, he proved himself in the Alsvenska, he proved himself in the AHL, uh, or in the SHL, now he needs to do it in the AHL, and then it's like, you know, maybe next season he has to do it in the NHL, so there's a lot of um, kind of just question marks for him, but so far in his career in Sweden, he's answered all of those with flying colors. And really quickly, you mentioned just how lethal the, the AHL power play or something like that could be. Uh, last season, it's the opening year for the Abbey Canucks, uh, and the, there was a fair bit of investment put in, and obviously come with that expectation um, now that you're re you're removed from like the the shine of it all, uh, what do you expect from the AHL team this year? Yeah, I think um, I, I still expect a lot. I still also believe that um, it's going to take a pretty big knock uh, on the back end, especially offensively. I mean, you lose Madison Bowie, and probably like I expect to see Jack Rathbone be on the NHL roster mm -hmm. to start the season, but. You know, you lose those two guys, and that's a lot of what your offense was from the back end. Like, you're, you're going to be returning Breeze Bois. You bring in uh, Kalyanuk and Willanen, some veteran guys. So they're going to bring a lot of kind of security to the back end. But when I'm looking at this, this like, defense core that they have, like I said, losing Bowie and, and losing uh, Rathbone, those are the two guys that generated the most offense from the back end. Like, maybe you can get something from Chad Nychuk a little bit. Uh, or Quinn Schneeman, uh, Schmeeman. I, that's a, I'm just going to struggle with that name all year long. But those guys had a lot of offense in the WHL. Maybe they can start to bring something. Uh, and then in the forward group, like, I still think the forward group's really strong. Like, you know, I really like the addition of Archie Baines. I really think that he is going to be successful uh, at, the, at the AHL level. And it's not like I'm expecting him to lead the team in scoring. But I'm expecting them to kind of have like a more of an impact than we even seen from a guy like Chase Waters, who was an every night player playing on the third line, getting penalty kill time. Like I think Baines is, is a better player coming out of the WHL than Waters was. Uh, so he should be able to make a big difference. Like a lot of names on there that you, you kind of expect to be able to put big numbers up. Like it's it's going to be uh, Sheldon Dries and Phil DiGiuseppe back there. Niels Almond, I think like they should have a strong team again. Um, they should be able to compete with anyone in the AHL, really. And, you know, to kind of see what happens in the goaltending department is going to be interesting as well. Like, Colin D'Elia is going to be a player who probably, or a goaltender that gets a lot of starts for them. You want to see Archer Silas make the push. And honestly, I don't think anybody uh, outside of the organization really knows what's happening with Mikey DiPietro. Like, he could easily be the starter this fall, depending on kind of how the cards shake down uh, or how this organization looks at him. So there's... Some question marks kind of in the in the back half of this team for me, but the forward group's going to be strong again. And like I mentioned, uh, I think they finished last year with like the third best power play in the AHL. I expect them to be top three again. They just, they have so much top end talent 
uh, that are just like these, I don't want to say quad A players, I don't really like that term, but like they're just extremely strong offensive AHL players that should be able to make this power play a top three in the league again. Hey, before we let you go, uh, what are you doing tomorrow? Are you heading up to uh, Burnaby Mountain to be part of that uh, Nickelback video? Oh, man, I I, I don't know. I, I was thinking about it, and like, maybe I could. I, I know that one of my friends, like, was an extra for the Superman movie when they filmed this in Nanaimo, and because awesome. he was, like, the, he, well, he was the biggest guy there, too. Like, this is my buddy who's, like, six foot seven and, like, you know, 350 pounds, and they used him to be, like, the lumberjack, so they picked him out of this group of extras <laughs> uh, and actually, like, gave him, like, this cool role. So I think it's, like, the start of the Superman movie. He's, like, chopping wood as Superman flies over or something. So I'm, like, wow. maybe I'd do that, like, and hope that, like, there's no one bigger than me there and they need, like, a big guy for the event. So I'll... I'll see what my schedule looks like. I think we got a podcast tomorrow, so we'll see what happens. You got to postpone that favor. You got to go, man. You're, you're the big Just, guy. You'll stand out. You're like ten years down the road, you're, we're gonna say, "Hey, remember Faber was in that video? He was the guy that stood out, and he was he was the guy that took all the shine. He went away from Chad Kruger." Yeah, I mean, I might, I maybe I just wear something stupid and I stick out quite a bit. Like I don't, I got an old Barney costume that I used to wear to rugby sevens. If I just show up with that, like they have to do <laughs> old something. Barney with me, right? costume. What is happening? <laughs> we were debating it in in the uh, bullpen earlier. Or earlier, like, do you think it's a cool thing to go to? The rugby sevens? No, the the uh, music video. Okay, I was like, rugby sevens is great. Yeah, for sure. Uh, drink a lot of Gatorade. Uh, the I think the video would be great. Like. I just don't know. Like, I, I'm wondering, I, like, what do you guys think? Is there going to be 50 people show up or is there going to be a thousand? Like, I don't really know I, with Nickelback. Like, in I, I think it's going to be a lot larger than we realize. Yeah, never underestimate so? the yeah. the want of wanting to be on TV or on yeah. the internet. People love seeing themselves. And that's, I, I don't know. the thing And, with and just to say, it's like, hey, like, I'm in that music video. I think that's going to be a cool thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I probably, I have a wide open afternoon now that I, you know, do this job full take time. the podcast so on the road i'm telling here. you man <laughs> yeah i'll think about it but like i don't know new nickelback just doesn't really do it for me i'm still like I, but I it's don't not about the band nickelback. it's about being in a music video well for me it's about the band yeah like, i'm with nickelback you. man <laughs> i'm with you favor i'm with you <laughs> you know i uh yeah i'll think about it i might burn it to the ground and get out there we'll, we'll see what happens <laughs> favor appreciate it, man uh connects already yeah. and connects conversation uh we'll talk soon all right guys have a good one well chris faber I think he may have been saying something as he was leaving. I think he was professing his love for us, if I'm yeah, not mistaken. That's fair. Um, Nickelback. I'm with Faber on this. I'm not going out there. So, okay, here's the thing, if you're just catching up. Uh, tomorrow, they are shooting a music video uh, out at Burnaby Mountain. I think on the SFU campus? That's right. So yeah. uh, the, the, the convocation hall kind of thing? Yes. So kind of right in the middle. Yeah. Right in the middle there. It's an open call. Uh, fans are invited to uh, participate in this music video local band world famous your opportunity to be in a nickelback video Mm -hmm. tomorrow at sfu that's a hard pass for me though so okay a text in 650 650 who's going i want to know who's going like are you going are you considering this whatever it is who's going and why are you a nickelback fan or do you just love the idea of being in a music video would you go ironically I just think it's a cool thing to be in. Just like, hey, I'm in a music video. I, yeah. I if I wasn't working, I'd probably want to go tomorrow. No, because okay, and we can we can break this down on the other side. But like, if I want to go to a music video shoot, I actually have to enjoy the music. For me, for me, like if I'm gonna be a part of their history, I want to actually enjoy what they do. But you're using it as a vehicle to get into a music video. No offense, Randy, you can't dance. You ain't getting into any music videos. Hey, that I, don't, require I don't know. I don't know, man. I might. I might. 
You never know. It's just an opportunity to, to, to be part of something cool. And I think being in a music video is kind of cool. Irregardless, or regardless of the band. Sorry for using irregardless. Regardless of the band, I think it's just cool to get a chance to be in a music video. And you know, if I wasn't working, I'd love to be out there tomorrow. All right, send your text in 650-650. I, I would take a day off had I not just taken three weeks off. Really? You're committed to this music video for thing. No, nah, man. I, like, I would do it for the right artist. Nickelback ain't that right artist. Uh, 650-650, keep coming in with the thoughts. Uh, is it a cool thing to be in? And are you going tomorrow to be in the uh, Nickelback music video? We'll do wrong answers only as well coming up. Uh, a LeBron James themed wrong answers only. A lot going on, man. Nickelback v- music video, LeBron James in town. Two elites. Yeah. Uh, it's all the way here. Nick Nazar, Randy Janda, home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. I don't want to hear it anymore, Francine. The only thing I want to hear right now is the sweet sound of this Nickelback CD cracking as I drive over it repeatedly.